So, hello and welcome back. How do you follow that? That guy was amazing. He was really good. So, next we have someone who will blow me out the water. Um, we have somebody I'm really excited to see. Um, as a green buyer, I can't wait to hear what Kim has to say, um, just for my own personal development. As Countercultures coffee buyer and sustainability manager, Kim Alina Inonescu, in I did it right every time until then, constantly strives not only to improve the quality of coffee, where we're, what we're able to buy and roast, but also to develop and strengthen their relationships with producing partners all over the world. One of the main architects of Countercultures Direct Trade Certification and the driving force behind their annual transparency report. She also encourages and inspires sustainability initiatives closer to home with her research into seed to cup greenhouse gas emissions and as a founding member of their in-house sustainability committee. Thanks to her work, Counterculture is on track to completely offset their carbon footprint and is moving towards the goal of sourcing and roasting exclusively organic coffees. I'm a huge fan of Counterculture. I'm a huge fan of their transparency report and their whole approach as a company. And I know this is going to be an amazing presentation. I give you Kim Elena Inoescu. All right. Thank you, everyone, for being here, and good afternoon. Uh, my name is Kim Elena Ionescu. I work for Counterculture Coffee. That's who I'm representing today. And Counterculture is a roaster in the United States, probably better known for coffee quality than anything else. Um, as one of the company's green coffee buyers, I am happy to talk about coffee quality and um, could probably do that all day. But what I'm here to focus on today is the other side of my job, which is to define and direct counterculture's pursuit of sustainability, primarily environmental and social sustainability. So when the word sustainability became part of my job title about seven years ago, I was on the one hand really excited by all of the possibilities that the word offers. But on the other hand, I was also really nervous because the word can mean different things when it's used by different people. There is no universally agreed upon definition of sustainability, what it is, how it's achieved. But one thing that I think most definitions do have in common is a sense of looking toward the future and seeing further ahead. So as I see more and more companies beginning to report on sustainability, use language of sustainability in their marketing, I'm excited because I see that as a way to begin to affect more mainstream change. So it's an old saying in coffee and in sustainability and that it's a journey, it's about the journey, not the destination. And I try not to rely too heavily on cliches, especially in something as potentially cliched as sustainability already is, but I find this analogy useful because I feel like I look around and the leaders in not just the coffee industry, but any industry that you could choose, the people who are 
doing the most and uh, the most interesting work in sustainability began on their journeys without a clear sense of where they were going. They didn't know what the destination was going to look like when they embarked on, on the mission to get there. And that can be scary to start on a, a journey without knowing where you're going. And it doesn't mean that we don't have tools that we can use along the way. So in coffee, tools to measure sustainability might be things like certifications, you know, organic certification, fair trade, direct trade certification. It might be something like carbon footprinting, which crosses many industries. It could be something within our own operations like our employee retention rate. That's a great metric to use to understand your company a little bit better regardless of what it is that you do. But in all of these cases, those tools are more like markers along this road than they are the destination in and of themselves. So they help us know that we're on the right track, but they don't, they're not exactly the goal. So what I'm here today to do is to encourage all of you to begin a journey like this one, if you haven't already. Um, and as you go, to share that journey. Because again, it's more about, in so many ways, it's more about the progress that you make and the experiences that you have along the way than it is about where you ultimately hope to end up. But first, before I tell you how, you might get there. I should probably tell you why to even begin a journey like this. So this graphic is taken from a sustainability report that I release on an annual basis on behalf of counterculture. It's one of three reports that we do. An overall sustainability report, a direct trade transparency report that focuses more on green coffee buying and prices, and a greenhouse gas footprint that focuses on the energy consumption throughout the, the companies, uh, of the company's operations. In this particular graphic, it shows the growth of organic coffee uh, over the course of a few years, which, as Stephen mentioned in his introduction, is something that I have been um, pushing toward a goal of 100%, but clearly I still have some, uh, some distance yet to travel before I get there. So, you know, why, why begin and why share progress like this? Why are more and more companies embarking on these journeys and using this information to their competitive advantage? You know, who is our audience for these reports? Um, why are they interested in this information? So I think the most concrete argument in favor of having some sort of sustainability strategy for whatever sort of coffee company it is that you work for is to look toward the future. And we work in an industry with a volatile, a very volatile component in the coffee futures market. So this graph here shows the history of the coffee futures market. And you can see how much it fluctuates. And you know, there are ways to play the market. If you are a savvy buyer, then you can potentially use the market to your advantage when setting your prices. But no matter how large your enterprise might be, and especially if your enterprise is small, then there's no way to control the fluctuations in these prices. And anyone who's thinking about sustainability or who's thinking about building a business is trying to think more than just a year or two into the future. And with the futures market, there's no way to plan long-term for 
supply when buying based on a market like this one. So uh, the most sort of concrete reason to begin thinking in terms of sustainability is to secure future supply of green coffee. Now, you've all watched a film about coffee, or many of you did last night. So this scene of a coffee buyer and a coffee producer sitting down and negotiating a contract is one that probably looks familiar. You know, in the film, Darren Daniel, the coffee buyer for Stumptown, is the closest thing to a protagonist that the film has, and a little bit of a hero. We see Darren go to coffee farms in Rwanda to meet with producers and discuss issues, and we understand that Darren's travel is a part of Stumptown's philosophy and a part of its quality. And I think that's true even for an audience that doesn't know coffee. Picking up on the context and the cues of the film, we know that part of the reason that Stumptown is the company that it is, and part of the reason that its coffee is as revered as it is, is because Darren is traveling and building these relationships and putting the work into buying coffee. So another reason to begin thinking about sustainability and invest in sustainability in your green coffee uh, supply chain is for something beyond security, and that is, uh, that is the, the quality or the stability of quality over time. Because when we are more invested in our relationships, we have more ability to control what the product that it is that we're getting. Um, we have the ability to predict prices. We have the ability to foresee problems before they arise and potentially defeat us. So then another reason for investing in sustainability is our industry's worst case scenario. Um, namely that the combination of climate change and economic instability and population pressure makes coffee growing unappealing or even impossible in many of the places that currently produce coffee. Now, I'm not going to pretend that coffee can solve these global issues or that coffee can save the environment, but we have the opportunity now to adapt and to improve upon where we have been. We haven't been very good at taking that opportunity thus far. And I think that one of the reasons for that is that as businesses, we're not naturally collaborative. We're naturally competitive. We want to develop our own ideas and our own strategies and differentiate ourselves. When in fact, some of these global issues are, are issues that we cannot solve alone. No matter how good a relationship is between a producer and a coffee buyer, how good the quality is. If national infrastructure is crumbling, there's no way for that coffee to make it out uh, or make it to the country that will ultimately consume it. So we need to be able to leverage our strengths within our supply chains, across supply chains, across industries, across sectors, to work with governments and nonprofit organizations in order to build coalitions that can actually address things like seasonal hunger or um, cost of production issues or you know, economic insecurity, potentially even climate change. However, the supply chain issues, large and small, are not the only arguments for, in favor of sustainability. Most of us spend a lot of time thinking about who drinks our coffee and what they care about 
and how to reach them, or in other words, marketing. And we know that coffee drinkers on a whole are getting younger. We also know that they're starting to drink coffee earlier. These things are great for us. In order to understand this consumer, this new consumer market a little bit better, it's also important to think about how they understand our coffee, how they understand our values, and what's important to us. This generation is more interested in sustainability than their parents were, or than the older generations of coffee growers or coffee consumers have demonstrated that they are. But the younger generation also defines it differently. So instead of just looking for certifications in coffee, they're looking for what else we're doing. Certifications are an important starting point, but this is a generation that's accustomed to adapting their behavior to new technology every two years. So the idea of constant improvement is crucial to their understanding of sustainability. They want coffee that's certified, but they want to know what else we're doing also, and how we're continuing to improve and pursue new ideas and make those certifications or the tools that we have even sharper and better over time. A company that exemplifies this approach to sustainability and to continuing to innovate is the clothing company Patagonia, which is best known for outerwear, jackets, um, gear that you might wear up in the mountains in very cold times. But here, in an ad that ran in the New York Times last year, demonstrates that their company is much more complex than just, or has a much more complex mission than just selling clothing. In fact, this ad which says, don't buy this jacket, which is one of their jackets, is not intended to actually tell people not to buy clothing, but rather to encourage everyone to question what it is that we need. Whether or not it's important to have a new article of clothing, or whether or not you have enough already and can conserve the resources that it takes for the production of a jacket like this. Beneath the, the headline, it says, this season, share some values. And values is so much of what sustainability is about. It's about having a, a vision that is bigger than just today, and a vision that is bigger than just a single company or a single mission. It's about being complex and about being human and being able to connect to people through these human values makes what a company is capable of doing so much more interesting and so much more real. So in this case, Patagonia as an example, you can see that what they're trying to express is not just about the product that they're selling, it's about the company that they are and the world that they want to create and be a part of. So for us, I would say that it's no longer about the co just about the coffee. The certifications that we have are important they communicate a lot. They allow people to connect to us. Um, they extend across many companies in many countries. So they're a useful tool, but we need to build more and we need to show more about who we are as individual companies and how to differentiate ourselves. So before 
I came here, when I found out that I was going to be traveling in a place I had never been before, I went on the internet and I found some local coffee companies and I did a little bit of reading because I wanted to know who my audience was going to be for this presentation. Now, I know already that you like coffee. I knew we had something in common. But beyond that, there's more. There's more that makes your company what it is and makes you who you are and differentiates you. And I will argue that increasingly, sustainability will be part of that conversation about who it is that you are and what it is that makes you unique. So back to why it is that companies are using this information to differentiate themselves. This is another page taken from Counterculture's annual sustainability scorecard and report that tracks, demonstrates all sorts of information about our company. Everything from the total number of pounds of coffee that we sold to the busiest times of day for our website to the number of pounds of coffee that we donated to charitable organizations. It's a range of information. And on their own, no single piece of information here is revolutionary or extraordinary. It's all very basic about the operations of a company. Any company could you know, share the same data. It's, the numbers aren't big, they're not small. It's not really about the numbers. It's about what sharing those numbers demonstrates. This commitment to being more than just a product, uh, telling a more complex story than just the story of how the coffee tastes or the story of how the coffee buyer worked with the coffee farmer. It's about trying to give a sense of all of the different components that make counterculture as a company unique and different and special. And while there are a few companies that are doing that, any information feels like unique and useful information. I believe as more companies start to do this, we will continue to have to find ways to differentiate ourselves, but for now, I will encourage all of you to start down a path like this one, beginning to report on your journey, because there are so few. You're probably doing more than you think at this time. You're probably doing more than many of your, your neighbors are. So as I finish my presentation, I'll remind you all that I sat out, set off on this presentation to encourage you all to begin a journey into sustainability if you haven't already. There's no right place to start. As Stephen said, there's no one right way to buy coffee. There's no single starting point when it comes to sustainability in coffee. Picking the thing that is most obvious to you, the area in which you feel like you are most comfortable or your company is the strongest, is probably the best place to begin. But don't be discouraged if it doesn't feel like you have a lot from the outset. When I started at Counterculture, I was terrified that I had no idea how to begin. I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing and there was very little guidance because like I said, there's not a clear sense of what the destination is when you start the journey. But I knew that anything would be better than what we had, which was nothing. And so you just, you begin. And as you begin, and as you share the experiences, you find yourself able to connect over something more than just 
coffee. You're able to connect over shared experiences. You're able to connect over some of your challenges. You are presenting struggles. You're presenting stories that are stories of struggle, as well as stories of triumph, and stories of how it is that you get where you want to go, as well as just what it is that you are selling, or what it is that you would like people to see as the strengths of your company. So these sorts of struggles and this, sorts of, this sort of complexity is what leads to connection and what leads to something like a company beginning to feel human. So with that, I will say that what it is that we all do in coffee is about connection at the end of the day. So begin your journey and share your struggles and your triumphs along the way. Don't wait until you've arrived, and um, I can't wait to see where we all go, or where we all get together. Thank you. I know I've said this a few times, but every time I've seen somebody's presentation for the second or third time, I've picked up more. So hopefully people will go back and watch the videos afterwards and, uh, and, and pick up the other things that I've managed to going through that. Um, yeah. Uh, so looking for you to bail me out of a question I answered badly when I got asked a question about direct trade and buying from producers more, you know, having more transparency in that process. How do you think somebody can start along that path of being able to source coffee from, you know, actually going to an origin and, and getting that coffee? I actually liked your... <laughs> 刚才其实有观众就已经有问到直接贸易的问题，那我想要请问是，嗯，直接贸易它其实它的好处就是透明化。那你觉得这东西是一个怎么样子的开端？可不可以跟我们讲一下？I think you underestimate yourself because I think your answer was a was a good one. I would echo that, especially for small companies, using tools like the Cup of Excellence as a an introduction. I would say the same thing to a producer. That's a, a good potential place to, to be introduced to buyers. Um, traveling with groups, having buying consortium, uh, or building a buying consortium is another great way for, um, for a small roaster to be able to have a larger impact. 其实我也是认为可以建议产地透过COE的方式，还有透呃买家其实可以透过COE的方式去进一步了解生产者。另外呢，也可以大家可以团队合作，一起联合起来去国外找好的豆子。And one last thing is that I think you know relationships are built one at a time. So um, deciding to to begin um. You're beginning a process, you know, again, to use my analogy, you're beginning this journey. So start with one, and then when that one has been successful for a few years, maybe start a second one. So my question... Uh, would be right now, 
it feels like incorporating sustainability into a business is a decision taken by those that are passionate and it is by no means essential. Do you think that is going to change? And if so, when? Um,其实现在对很多公司来说,永续发展可能还只是一个,他们可以选择性的东西,好像并不是一定要做永续发展的东西,那你认为这样子现象之后会改变吗?如果会改变的话是什么时候? I think that will change. Um, I think that what we now refer to as sustainability, though, may take on different and seemingly more practical terms. I think that there's an element of sustainability that for many people is still associated with um, uh, altruism or charity or um, doing things for other people as opposed to doing them for yourself. And that that can be a very good thing, but that there's, there are also very self-serving reasons to be more aware of um, the issues that now fall under the umbrella of sustainability. And in the next few years, we will, do, we will shift and more, more issues that are now labeled sustainability will be mainstream business operational concerns. 会，我我认为会永续发展的，就是我觉得大家其实会改变，会改变自己，尽量去投入永续发展。也许现在对很多人来说，永续发展听起来好像是在做慈善，做一些好的事情一样，但是其实同样的做永续还可以回馈到自己
So I think I see lots of comparisons from your presentation from to Matt's presentation, although they're very different. We're talking about efficiency, you're talking about, you know, and not an infinite amount of resources and how we manage those. And I, I'm, I must admit, I've kind of seen this a few, and I'm not the most, you know, I don't, I've recycled, but I don't recycle as well as I should do sometimes. But I'm, I'm inspired from what you've been talking about. So what is the one big win that a company can change to be more socially responsible, to be more, you know, kind to the environment, those kind of things. 今天的讲者讲了很多不同的主题，上面早上讲到说如何有效率的萃取咖啡。那今天呃，Kim有讲到的话是永续发展。那其实我必须要承认，我自己如果说真的要讲永续的话，我只能说我还蛮常做资源回
So Kim has spent 10 days talking to us, and I'm sure you're fed up of certainly all of my incessant questions. So we should let these guys ask some questions. So does anybody have anything they'd like to ask Kim? 我们已经跟 Kim 相处了十天，我想说，我觉得我们蛮熟的了，所以我把机会让给大家，看有没有大家有什么想问 Kim 的问题。Hi, um, a lot of companies out here don't have a sustainable manager or an officer that does that. What are some ways that you use to observe sustainability in a company, or ways to capture the data to have it all、uh, concise into a graph or something like that, so you can observe and Analyze at the end of the year for next year's plan or the future. Um, 我我可以就是确认一下你的问题吗？因为你说在台湾这边，好像我们没有什么资金去成立一个这样子的部门，或是有专专业的人员去做永续，去做永续发展这一块。就是去去管理或是去收集这些资料的话，那要问呃问他是说他是用什么样的技巧，或是是请第三者还是怎么样去做？观察的动作怎么去收集，然后去怎么去做这个资料出来给事后事后要做的处理的东西。谢谢，谢谢。So that's a great question.、Um, you know, I have、uh, even as a sustainability manager, I've always only had a portion of my time dedicated to this. So it is、um, challenging to. Gather all of the data from across the company and start to try to measure things, which is why being able to communicate well with different departments and have individuals set their own goals can be a good way to begin.、Um, I kind of made that mistake and tried to do everything myself, but in fact, there are people within my organization who are better at and know more about. The energy use of the company, or the,、um, you know, in my case, probably not the green coffee buying, but、um, but the sort of different projects that we're working on, and leveraging your entire staff and giving each person one thing to measure, I think, is a really good way to、um, to begin, and also to for sustainability to permeate throughout the company. 我自己这边的话有永续的部门，我们经常性的会开会，但是要从各方收集资料去评估，其实不是非常简单的事情。所以我的方式就是让各个小单位他们设定自己的目标。那其实我一开始的时候我也犯了一个小小的错误，我把我什么事情都揽在身上自己做，但是后来发现其实这样对我自己一点好处也没有，事情也做不好。所以最好的方式还是各自的分工。像我们公司里面有些人他可能对于资源上面是比较敏感的，那像我自己可能对于生豆这一块就是。Can I just add from my point of view? Also, we when we carbon offset, the company that we use provides、uh, software that asks you questions from how you ship your product around the world to how do your employees get to work, or what did you spend on gas this year? And that's just a nice. Way to get all of the data in one place and have the software ask you questions. So I don't know if you, you do same same、mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, 就是他们其实有一个机制，就是他们有一个机制可以管理你的碳排放量。比方说，你你怎么去运送你的产品，然后你的员工是怎么样的管理，甚至你的瓦斯费。呃，他们都会有一些奖励的制度。如果你比较节约的话，都可以去做奖励。那 Kim 的话，这边也同意
Can we have one time for one more quick question if anybody's got another? Okay. I'm going to take that opportunity. Right. <laughs> um, and I will try and recycle better. Um, please, big round of applause for Kim. Thank you. Thank you.